coming to you live from Houston, Texas at the Top Coder Open 2019. This is training underscore data, the most rich and compelling data science podcast out there. This is a special episode since we're coming to you live from a conference event. And what's more particularly interesting is that this is the first time SpaceNet is participating in the Top Coder Open. For those of you who have followed our work, it's particularly interesting that we have partnered with SpaceNet over the, or with TopCode over the last three years, but this is our first shot to really meet uh, the broader community, and I can say this far, it's been an awesome event. So with me in the room uh, today, I have Andy Lamora and Michael Contreras, and of course, training data veteran, and some say computer vision grandmaster, Adam Bennett. Guys, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Great to be here. Glad to be here. Respect. Good night. <laughs> All right. So before we get into what we at SpaceNet are doing here at the Top Coder Open, one of the things that we've heard from uh, some of our previous listeners or those that follow our blog is just to give a little bit more background on Top Coder, the Top Coder Open, and kind of what's happening here more broadly. A lot of our end users really only experience uh, our work either through the outputs of the competition or even just the evaluation of those outputs. And so I was hoping if you guys could just talk a little bit, let's just start from the top, talk a little bit just about all the different things that TopCoder does more broadly. And then we can get maybe more into uh, what we're actually, what's happening here at the Open today and this weekend. You bet. Thanks, Ryan. Hi, this is Andy. Uh, <clears throat> well, it starts with what TopCoder is. Uh, we're both a platform and a community, and they go hand in hand. The community is about 1.5 million people throughout the world. So it's free to register on TopCoder, it's free to check it out and uh, come and see what you can try your hand on. And what we do is provide ways for people to uh, produce outcomes for, uh, for our customers. The way that works is on any given time, we will have all kinds of different challenges uh, posted to our platform. Uh, they might be data science challenges like yours, uh, ranging from computer vision to predictive analytics. But we might also have data engineering problems or even problems in design and regular old development. What makes us different, a little bit special, is we have a start date, an end date, a prize, and the work needs to be done. <clears throat> and anyone, anywhere, can jump on, try their hand, do the work, submit it, and whoever does best wins. We also have some contests that are uh, longer term, especially for complex computer science and uh, data science challenges, uh, where you may have to retrain learning algorithms and they run even longer, it could be three, four weeks. And uh, same thing, if people think they can solve the problem, jump in, give it a try, and may the best solution win. There's even a leaderboard, you can see everything that's going on. I would just add, that you know, if you're interested and you're listening and you want to check it out, you can go to topcoder.com and become a member. We're completely transparent, totally open, free to join. Um, it's a true community that's open. Um, and if you follow some of the gig economy trends, you might think we uh, might have uh, started a couple years ago, but we've been around since 2001. We're coming up on our 20th anniversary, so we've been doing this a long time. Um, Andy, more than I have. <laughs> A little too long. <laughs> well, then what's uh, what's particularly interesting too is that uh, at this event, your CEO has had some pretty big announcements about TopCoder's uh, offerings uh, beyond just some some of your core business. I think the one that uh, was most interesting was the recent announcement about talent as a service. 
which obviously builds upon uh, the community that you mentioned. But could you explain maybe that in a little bit of detail? And I know certainly a lot of that's going to be online, but maybe explain some of the motivation behind that. Happy to. So the, the thesis question for us has always been, once you have a really large community, how do you provide motivation for people to, to give you some of their time? That's a lot of what we do. We don't ask people to work full time for us. We ask people to share their mind with us for a little bit and give us uh, an outcome and in return win an award. But there are also other opportunities that we've been looking at for a long time and we've been thinking about how can we provide earning opportunities for our community? And how can we align talent for people when they need it, uh, as they need it, um, around a variety of use cases, whether it's people with certain programming skills or people uh, with certain problem-solving skills. And that gave rise to Talent as a Service. So this is a capability that we just announced and rolled out today that allows our community uh, to enroll uh, in a program that they can be evaluated for certain skill sets and get impaneled into a small pool of people that <clears throat> are then uh, provided on a monthly basis to our customers. So for our customers, you gain access to a uh, highly skilled talent pool on an hourly rate, just as you normally would, that are being drawn from all around the world. And for our contestants and folks who are interested in uh, more, let's say, more stable earning opportunities in return for lots of great competition, they can participate in this program. We're pretty excited about it. Yeah, that, that sounds awesome. And I, I think uh, just the amount of different either announcements or things that are happening here at the Open is really cool. And one that kind of blew us away when Adam and I got in here uh, on Wednesday was the actual domain arena, right? Uh, this is probably way too much information, but I used to compete in Scholar Bowl, and it looked like a much cooler right. version of Scholar Bowl. <laughs> and, you know, this is something that obviously we on the Cosmic team and the SpaceNet group more, uh, more broadly have heard about and followed, but we haven't really been involved or seen it firsthand until now. So I'm wondering if you just describe a little bit about the actual challenge aspect of what's happening here at the Top Coder Open, because it seems super cool. I loved all the announcements when all of the leading community members from, what was it, 32, 34 countries yeah, yeah. Uh, were here. That's awesome. Can you just give a little background on that and like uh, really, even some of the history? I mean, uh, Mike, you mentioned this goes back almost 20 years. I, I didn't know that. That the, that the competitions had that history. Yeah, if I could just add one, one anecdote on that. Um, Topcoder was, was actually started um, due to like scoring chess players. You know, the, the founder thought like, what if we could rank every individual in the world according to their ability to, to code and score them just like the, you know, rank them as a chess player in their ability to play chess. So. That was the, the original impetus to kind of developing, you know, the business model behind TopCoder and eventually the platform and the community. So to this day now we have a, you know, scoring algorithm that ranks all the coders and it's a function of a variety of things, but one of them is participation in the contest and how much they win. And uh, prior to actually being awarded uh, a trip to come to compete at the TopCoder Open, the members actually compete in several qualifying rounds. So they're competing uh, for several months, and they have to win at each stage to finally get here. So you can imagine their excitement when they finally get called on that stage. It's several months of competition. Just getting here, is an award enough? 
Yeah, my favorite entrance was uh, the guy that did the handstand. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah. You mix it into a lot of our material, yeah. <laughs> Adam and I were thinking, what would we do? And I think I'd just get hurt if I tried to do anything uh, uh, similar to that. I just default laying my head on fire. <laughs> well, it's actually tamed a little bit over the years. Uh, Ten years ago, it wasn't all that unusual to start seeing people show up and... and Karate geek. <laughs> you had a guy that showed up with a plastic axe and ran on the stage wielding this thing and put it next to him as he started competing. And uh, you know, it's people from all all kinds of different backgrounds. I mean, we have uh, we have a forensic police captain. Um, we have we have uh, people coming from where you might think, right? Just they're professional developers and we're able to do this. Uh, but we have others that started. Uh, here in the states, in fact, that came from a completely different background. You know, they were they were doing some low-level code and really felt the calling. It's like I want to work on something harder. Um, started looking around for doing it. Found TopCoder. Found they could solve the problem. Then started asking for better jobs. Couldn't get the job, and turned to the gig economy and worked full time. Uh, so the, the fellow I have in mind speaking about that uh, actually now toys the world um, and does very well off the gig economy. But you know, they come from all all walks of life. And so, right now we're recording this uh, on Thursday. Uh, the competition are, is going to run all the way through Saturday, correct? And then the, all the announcements and the final awards ceremony takes place then? Yes. We have many final events here. So, as Mike was saying earlier, we fly about 60 to 100 of the world's best competitors, depending on the year, um, to compete head-to-head -head here at the Top Coder Open. We take care of visas and travel and everything else. And the competition, in fact, for next year has already started. Qualifications have already begun. Um, but once you're here, you t participate in your track. Uh, so yesterday we had our, our first marathon track. It's a 12-hour contest. Uh, so those competitors grind, you know, ground away all day long. Um, today we had our first to finish challenges. We have some uh, design front-end design challenges. Uh, tomorrow we have some dev challenges. You can find it all on our TCO website. And could you explain it? It's because I, I missed this earlier. Can you explain the first to finish again? Just what, what that actually means? Is it just like a literally a race in terms of who can get the most the result across the line first? I, I, I was missing that during during some of the conversations. Yeah, you got it. That's it exactly. Uh, take a take a problem, put it out there on the wire, and whoever snags it and completes it satisfactorily first is the one who wins the award. So a lot of these will be problems that you can judge by inspection, right? It can run anything from on a design track. It could be change this logo, uh, move this piece of this front end to that piece. Uh, but in, in programming, it'd be considerably more complex. But generally, it's something that you can you can uh, tell just by running a unit test or by giving it a report. Yeah, it's not really an optimal solution per se, but uh, a good enough beating a threshold and doing it quickly. I think you know what might some of your audience members might might be familiar with the eSports. Or maybe even you know um, drone piloting competitions. You know those are getting highly. We're familiar with both. <laughs> okay, I have attended both. Okay, <laughs> and Adam, I would say Adam is the best StarCraft two player on our team. Please. False. <laughs> Very false. <laughs> Drop the mic. Uh, so I, I think it's it, it's it's something that's palatable. People are realizing, you know, that that it's a skill. Um, I think. You know, Top Coder has been doing a similar type of event and competition since, you know, almost 20 years. But what makes it a little bit unique in comparison to the eSports option or the eSports competition is that 
the results that some of the coders or the competitions end up producing are actually of high benefit to various corporate sponsors. So they're working on real world problems. So in addition to the you know, competitive spirit, they're also producing real value for companies. And one example is uh, tomorrow in our dev track, NASA has actually uh, put out a problem that will be solved live by 10 of the top developers in the world in approximately three or so hours. And um, it has to do with basically creating um, a filtering set and a searchability function within your image database. Um, but you know, Marshall Space Flight Center has put forth this problem to be attacked by some of the best developers in the world. And whoever wins will also produce this code that can be utilized by NASA. We also have, uh, since we're here in Houston, we also have uh, Shell sponsoring a hackathon as well. Um, details are on the website. And so you mentioned uh, you mentioned NASA, and one of the things I thought was really cool during this morning's sessions was you had a panel with not just NASA but some of your other public sector uh, either partners or groups that you've worked with over the course of the last couple of years, and I was surprised. Adam and I were really surprised at just the the breadth of different things you were doing, and I some of that's just on me in terms of not not following as close as I should, but. It was really cool to hear the different use cases. I mean, uh, we live so much in the geospatial and computer vision domain, it's hard to believe that there are other things. I still don't sometimes. Uh, but could you just describe a little bit about some of your work in the public sector domain more broadly, which then kind of feeds into how the panel got set up today? Yeah, we did have one uh, geolocation application yes, from, no, from Special great. Operations Command, you know, so, so much love there. Um, so, so on the public sector panel, we wanted to showcase some of the different aspects of, um, you know, how folks are using the platform. And um, we had some, some really exciting use cases and some champions of new ways of working in government organizations, you know, which aren't necessarily known for being agile or, you know, for that matter, sometimes innovative. But um, the government has been a first mover in crowdsourcing, actually. So since about you know, the 2000s, actually some of the first um, attendees of Top Coder Open, believe it or not, was the NSA. So the oh, I didn't NSA know that. would show up to our TCO, and they were really interested in one, you know, doing cryptography challenges as parts of the, the competition, but also seeing the talent and potentially recruiting the talent. So that was, you know, the first kind of signal to some of the other government agencies that what we have here is special. So today at the, the uh, panel, you know, we had SOCOM represented, we had NASA represented, we had the National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST represented, and we also had the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation, which is an agency within the Department of Interior. So we've been able to broaden the footprint, um, create new adopters of crowdsourcing methodologies, and what's even more exciting is both NASA NIST and the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation have created programs where they enable other members or other researchers in their in their agencies to actually utilize the tools, the platform. Yeah, that was super cool. Uh, so, so they're they're kind of scaling the approach, and uh, we're seeing you know adoption increase. And today, you know, it's about a hundred million dollar opportunity in the public sector for just crowdsourcing services alone. Well, that's that's awesome. But I would say let's get to your favorite challenge. Arguably the, the one that you guys wake up for and the reason you can go to bed at night 
is supporting uh, supporting spacemen. And as I mentioned, you know, this is the first time we were here. Um, it's been a great experience uh, for the last couple of days. And yet, um, a lot of this material is all obviously it was all live streamed. Live streamed on Twitch too. Nice touch. I, that's the link I was putting out, not just YouTube, Twitch. Um, but I think the other thing that was interesting is perhaps for those that didn't follow along, maybe we could just describe a little bit about what we were doing here. Um, because I think based on our experience, it's something we certainly want to do again and certainly want to tie uh, perhaps in the future to other challenges that we have in mind. So uh, starting with, with Adam, right, we were able, it's been a big journey on SpaceNet 5. Um, why don't we just describe a little bit about what we were doing on stage today with the big, with some of the big announcements, and particularly one of the big reveals on the data set side. Yeah. So for those of what's before, you might know all this already, but but I'll briefly outline SpaceNet Five, right, which is looking at road detection and routing. So give someone a satellite image. Can they pull out a road network, not just the pixels, but the network, and then an estimate for travel time and speed for each route. So that's pretty pretty tricky. Um, we actually are pretty impressed with what we've seen from competitors. Um, we're grinding through the scoring right now, but one of the ways that we've sought to actually make this uh, this challenge even more useful for end customers is let's kind of try and abstract out this issue that is common in competitions, which is you hypertune your algorithm for a certain set of data. In this case, it's often the ge geographic region, right? So. People train a model, say, on Las Vegas, that's our easiest city for SpaceNet, and then it works on Las Vegas, but nowhere else. What we did for SpaceNet 5 was we held back one city that no one had any idea what it was, and we tested them on that for the final, final score. Uh, and we just announced today, uh, on stage, we can announce it now as well, that that, that city was, it's a, it's a large city uh, in Eastern Africa on the coast, about four million people um, of Dar es Salaam. So this is, it's, it's pretty exciting because we have 10 cities now in SpaceNet, five different continents, so a lot of diversity there. And, and we're excited to announce um, next week what we're anticipating, the actual scores and how people did training a model to identify roads and cities that hadn't seen before at all. I think one of the other things that was at least eye-opening uh, for me is that this was really the first time for us Adam and I and, and uh, Todd Bacchistow, who was who also joined us as one of the SpaceNet partners today, to meet the broader top coder community. For for us, a lot of times they are uh, just a name or a call sign, or uh, sometimes we get to know them uh, through social media. It was really cool to be face-to-face uh, -face with some of these people. Uh, particularly, once again, a shout-out uh, to Walrus71, uh, Blaz, uh, who has supported us uh, since the beginning. Uh, back in 2016, but the other part that I thought was a great opportunity was a chance to, to participate in some of the master's classes here, uh, which is a chance to do a little bit of a deeper dive into work that we're doing, as well as meet some of the other community members. I'm wondering, guys, if you could just give a little background on the master's class, and then Adam, we can just talk a little bit about what we covered in that class. Sure. Uh, every year at the TCO, we pick a few different areas that we want to drill into and explain. Uh, the people are here. Uh, the Top Coder Open always attracts our community members who have obviously been invited, community members who are in the area, wherever we happen to host it, uh, folks who are following at home, but also our customers. Uh, it's a great opportunity for people to come and understand who the community is, just like, like you did, you know, being able to meet uh, Balaz and, and 
lot of our other members. Um, but it's also a great opportunity for us to, to share the new offerings that we, that we have coming out and to explain our thinking about how we're solving certain problems with, with crowd. Uh, so today we had a master class on uh, data science and AI and you know how we use the crowd to uh, determine if, if a problem is something that we should even really take on, you know, it's ready for a solution, um, and how we go out doing and building a solution. Uh, we also had talent as a service that uh, was announced for the first time uh, today. Pretty excited about that. Been baking that one for a little while, and it's right there on the shelf, ready for everyone to buy. Um, and that's a deep dive and you know, well, how do you, what are the best practices for first getting that community uh, around your problem and then communicating with them and what sort of platform support. Um, we also had uh, quality of the service uh, showcased, which, uh, which is a much bigger and more exciting field than it may sound. You know, it's, it's nice when things run well. Yeah, it's really great. <laughs> it helps a lot. Um, and when you can, uh, you can really rely on it. Um, our, our parent company, Wipro, has a, a strong practice in this. They've consistently been at the top of dark quadrant for, uh, for several years now. Um, and we've augmented it with crowd. So people in our community are able to uh, take, basically take shots at other people's work. Uh, you know, so you put something up and they're able to take a look at it, run through the use cases or develop unit tests around it. Um, it's probably best if people don't do that with my work. <laughs> <laughs> Adam's work fine. We can do that next work at Jake's work. That which doesn't kill you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, a, it's a, an exciting offering and that's how we, uh, roll it out with people and also get feedback on, uh, on how best to adjust it. Excellent. And then uh, just to kind of close out, so Adam, we had a chance right, to talk with some of the partners about geospatial analytics. And I think one of the things that was pretty compelling for us is sometimes we haven't, we haven't really gotten to tell our story right, to the broader community about why we do what we do and more importantly, even what's next to maybe build some anticipation. Uh, we covered in this in the session, but maybe if you could just give um, a little bit of a teaser about uh, some of the work we're thinking about uh, looking ahead for Space M6. Yeah, uh, so, so a, a couple things. Um, first, I'll start with a couple anecdotes, which are kind of fun and something we've noticed recently, which is the, the really utility that we've observed uh, in different communities for the SpaceNet outcomes. And, and what I'm referring to is, is we know that, that startups are using the code in, in different entities, and that's pretty exciting. but we, something that we, we've noticed recently as well is that academics are increasingly using both the data and the code um, out of SpaceNet. And there's been some really, really cool papers that we've seen in some of the leading journals which are using some of the stuff that, that we've produced here, the SpaceNet team. Uh, and, and another anecdote which we really enjoy is that honestly some of the scores for SpaceNet are competitive with these the leading academic papers. And that's something that Honestly, we were surprised with, but it's really exciting to, to see that for certain problems, in this case, the, the ones we're looking at foundational mapping, uh, what we're getting out of space that is competitive with the very best in academia, and that, that's kind of shocking, frankly, but pretty, pretty cool. And that's something we've observed uh, horizontally as well. Um, you know, for example, many government customers will come to us having run particular contest or data science challenge internally first with their own experts within their four walls. And then they'll be like, hey, let's see what we can do with some, you know, outside geniuses. 
And um, oftentimes, well, in the two cases that I'm thinking of, the results by going to the external crowd uh, with top coder um, have been better. So um, U.S. Bureau of Reclamation uh, is an example. They uh, ran a challenge called Rodeo One, where they tried to predict the weather um, greater than 10 days out, particularly between like 35 and 45 days. So you know, imagine your phone being able to predict the weather 35 and 45 days out, it's a challenging task. So they ran that challenge once, um, and now they're running it again uh, with TopCoder, and the preliminary results have been uh, equal or better than, than the previous kind of That's awesome. Yeah, this internal approach. So, um, yeah, NNSA was another one. Um, they were basically trying to detect nuclear threats within nuclear backscatter data. Um, that was done uh, by Los Alamos. And uh, they ran it first um, with LBNL, with Lawrence Berkeley National Lab, internal data type detection. Um, and then they ran it with the community. So, um, it's an approach that uh, is gaining more momentum, you know, try crowdsourcing uh, after you, you know, tap out your internal resources. But there's a, there's a property of that that ties in really well to your first question, too, of <clears throat> who comes to the community, what is top code, or why do people come to the community? Um, as Mike was saying, you know, as people go outside the, the walls to look for new solutions, one thing that we've observed and, and crowdsourcing in general has observed is that the people who solve these problems very often have, are, have no background in that particular discipline. We just wrapped up a, ch a challenge series uh, earlier this year on <clears throat> lung tumor contouring, uh, being able to uh, accurately trace out the, the, the tumor in someone's lung so that it was rigorous enough for radiological treatment. Uh, so it has to be pretty darn accurate. It had to be as good as the docs. And this was a successful project for us, and not a single one of the top five had ever done anything in yeah. medicine, radiology. They don't even normally compete in computer vision, but they're able to solve these problems. Uh, and so that, that's exciting. That's why people come to the gig economies, why they come to places like Top Coder, because they know that they might have the insight that will put that solution over the top. And they may have gained it from a completely different experience, but then saw they could apply it to this problem. Well, speaking of, of radiology, or in this case, radiation, um, on that on that note, uh, one thing that we're also really excited about is to kind of extend um, SpaceNet and, and try and really push the contestants and the community and top coder for what we're anticipating for SpaceNet today, which is moving beyond the electro optical. Um, what we've done, we still have done so far. So electro optical meaning you know, red, green, red, green, blue, primarily um, visual spectrum imagery into radar. So this is synthetic aperture radar that we will have. Um, for SpaceNet 6 combined with electro-optical as well. And, and that's a totally different paradigm. There's a lot of challenges there. We won't go into it in too much detail here, but the exciting thing is that, that there isn't a great data set out there right now if you want to study SAR, uh, synthetic aperture radar and SAR. And that's something we're gonna we're gonna push towards. Really excited to see how that how that turns out. And and what we're, we're hoping is that no one's an expert in SAR in this community. I think it's probably probably a good guess. Probably no one in this community is an expert in SAR. And yet, we're pretty excited to see what we can get out of it. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, I would say, uh, Andy, Mike, really appreciate your time. We know how busy it is uh, for you guys right now, especially with everything going on. It's been a great experience. Uh, so couldn't thank you enough uh, from the rest of the SpaceNet partners. Um, also, just a big shout out uh, uh, to Clinton, uh, Ryan Keith, 
Alexis, and obviously uh, my boards. You guys have all been great. It's been an awesome event, so really looking forward to uh, uh, events in the future. I wish you the best of luck as you guys close out the challenge. Thanks for your time. Thank you. All right, take care, guys. Space Club rule number 36. Geo is hard. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you'd like to hear more episodes or be kept up to date when we release a new show, please make sure to subscribe to Training Data wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to find out more information and links to the different sites and data sets and presentations and all the different content that we discussed today, you can find more at cosmicworks.org, that's cosmic with a Q, spacenet.ai, and our blog, the downlink, that's also with a Q on Medium. As you're seeing here, we like the letter Q. Music was provided by the DMV Zone, and for those of you not in the DMV, that is the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, by Redline Addiction. Uh, a big thank you to Kristen Zender and Carrie Sassine from Inkytel's Marketing Group. Also a shout-out to Hardcast Media uh, for serving as our studio. Thanks for listening, and take care.